AVXL episode 173 was recorded on March 10th, 2022. OLED price leaks. What's going on with LG this year? Big TV recos. We're talking 83 inches and up. Kef's got a sale on. AVR pass-through fun. Denon's got a new sound bar and a wireless sub. All that and so much more. Don't forget, email ask at avxl.com if you got a question for us. And thank you. Seriously, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone that supports us at patreon.com slash avxl. Your monthly contribution makes this podcast possible. Thank you. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Welcome to AVXL, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to redo that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Leave it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. Narrowly missed swallowing my own tongue just a second ago. I don't know what that's about. Be careful. And it's almost the weekend. <sighs> it's almost the weekend. Don't die on a Thursday afternoon. Or any day that ends with why. Um, wow. Let me focus or come close to it for a second. I'm a little excited. I was on the Twitters, and uh, and there's a whole thing you can follow, which I'm refusing to follow because I just don't need to be marketed at that closely. And did I mention I was going to try to not wander in this episode? Uh, between darkness and defeat, hope survives. Oh my. We're talking about uh, the trailer for the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series on uh, Disney+. Plus. Ewan McGregor is back, which I'm incredibly excited about. Joel Edgerton, uh, who is a fantastic actor, uh, is playing Uncle Owen. Moses Ingram from The Queen's Gambit is hunting down Jedi. And apparently Hayden Christensen is playing Darth Vader. Huh. And uh, he's all grown up now, kids. Limited series starts uh, May 25th again. That's on Disney+. Plus. If you want to nerd out, um, Entertainment Weekly, EW.com, has a ton of pictures, interviews with McGregor and Christensen, which I'm digging my way through inside the 17-year journey to reunite Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen for Obi-Wan Kenobi, all that and more. Um, wow. But uh, I, I will admit, I am kind of fascinated by this sort of... You know, I, I think we're going to watch Luke Skywalker grow up while Jedi are being hunted. I hope it's I'm cool. curious. Yeah. Disney is clearly yeah. getting their money out of the purchase of the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> you think? <laughs> Pump that out, baby. Get them on Disney+. Plus. The only way to enjoy your new Star Wars. <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. I love I, it. Uh... Yeah. I hope it's I, good. Yeah. I hope it's as good as the animated series. That's what I hope. Oh, my goodness. I enjoyed that a lot. You and Roger Chang uh, have both sung the praises. So I got my kids uh, watching all of the, uh, I, I call them cartoons, the whole Clone Wars thing. Yeah. You're, I assume you are talking about the Clone Wars and I Star am. Wars Rebels. It can have some uh, adult themes or definitely some... Uh, some good stories. I think it's that. I think even young people would enjoy it. <laughs> Kids of any age. Damn it. That was probably one of my favorite bits of Star Wars in the last 10 years was just plowing through that. The Clone Wars animated series. I still haven't. Which is probably now one. available on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Pretty sure it is. I will say I'm, I'm kind of curious looking at the Obi-Wan series if it's going to have that vibe from Rogue One. 
Um, speaking of movies that are callbacks to the Seven Samurai uh, in terms of assembling a team, but that kind of that was I really I really enjoyed the hell out of that movie, which is you know the story about where the Death Star plans came from that were oh so critical in A New Hope. But uh, if you haven't seen the trailer, it's worth watching. Uh, if for no other reason than to just see Ewan McGregor being Ewan McGregor while wearing the robes. <laughs> there we go. I get excited. I got to say, the article is aptly titled uh, LG C2 OLED prices just leaked and we hope you're sitting down. Uh, Tom's Guide pulled together uh, a really nice article about leaks on the European pricing for the, the 2022 LG OLED TVs. This started creeping around the, the forums probably right about the time we were recording episode 172 last week. Right. Are these? Do you think these 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 price leaks are legit for the the C two uh, LG OLEDs, Rob? I'm afraid they might be. And the thing okay. that jumps out immediately, looking at this chart, where they've taken the European pricing for the new C two televisions coming out from LG for 2022, scheduled to uh-huh. arrive starting later this month and going through the next couple months for the different sizes, is how much of an increase they're showing, at least in terms of that European pricing converted to U.S. pricing, and then looking at that compared to what the C1 uh, at least initially launched at, let alone its current sale prices. And it's significant. Uh, Just looking at something, say, the uh, 65-inch screen size for the C2, over $3,500 compared to about $2,500 when the C1 was introduced. That's a 40% increase between the 2021 C model OLED and the 2022. Yeah, that's more than the $100 I was predicting or $200, a small fraction, clearly. I mean, the the number that uh, Tom's Guide posted for the 48-inch TV, we're talking about going for $1,500 for a C1 to $1,990 for a C2. That's about a 30% increase. These are... These are, is this, I mean, is this supply issues? Is this, I mean, shipping could be easily, you know, 100 or $150 of that, depending on how many, 50 to $150 of that, depending on how many TVs you can stuff into a container, but not a grand. Right. <laughs> it's unclear why um, suddenly this price seems to have increased so much. And one of the oddities in this chart making the rounds currently is affecting the new 42-inch screen size, which will be the smallest OLED you can buy in a 4K Uh screen. It's now being listed uh, for the C2, 42 inches, $1,825. But compare that to the 48-inch size, uh, a larger model, that's about $165 more at a $1,990, just under two grand. And again, that pricing is just putting a premium on that smallest screen size which I would assume they did because people are going to use that more for desktop PC use than maybe the absolute. It's It will be popular having a small 4K screen the with 42. OLED technology. Right. But that price point, it's almost no difference between that and the larger 48-inch screen size. And the price of everything just a... is just gone up. And it's yeah. I'm, I'm hoping this is not 100% accurate for the U.S. market. But it sure is looking that way. So, again, if uh, you are online shopping today, those C1s for 2021 are still available at terrific prices. So, (laughs) maybe there's some other madness afoot, but 
at least those currently are still at a good deal if you are needing a TV today and maybe dreading what this actual street pricing is going to be for the new 2022 right. designs. Either way. I would not be surprised if if the 2022s hit at these prices. If these prices are correct, I would I would generally assume at that point that the last of the 2021 TVs are just going to vanish. They're just going to be bought up as quickly as people can buy them. I mean, because we're at that point, right, where they've basically stopped producing the 2021 TVs. They're emptying the channel. And traditionally, we see prices start high. You know, there's a CES announcement. There's a gap. The TVs start shipping. The prices start high. They come down a little bit. There's usually a big bump around, you know, Black Friday where they, they've, they've dropped a little bit. There's some big drops at Black Friday maybe. Uh, they come back up a little bit before Christmas, and then they just start trickling down until they're almost out of TVs. Then the price usually jacks up one last time before the next generation ships. I could see this being the marketing ploy to keep the 2022s priced as high as possible for as long as possible and let the rest of those 2021 models, you know, take the sales, so to speak, in terms of if people looking for a value more than the absolute sure. cutting edge of what OLED's doing right now. That would be interesting slash weird if they had so many 2021 TVs in the channel that they would price the 2022s ridiculously high. I don't know. We'll know in a few weeks. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty sure this came out in January. Sorry if, uh, that we missed this. Um, Dennett announced another soundbar, the DHT-S517. Uh, your basic HDMI eARC with pass-through box to put in front of your screen. Uh, they got up-firing speakers for Dolby Atmos effects. $449, including a wireless sub. It's not a huge wireless sub. It's interesting because they also announced this week that they were going to have a wireless subwoofer. Uh, Denon's adding a wireless subwoofer to their Heos lineup, their uh, Sonos competitors. Works with the Heos speakers, works with the Denon Home Soundbar 550. Um, it's tiny. It's like 13 by 14.5 by 13 inches, uh, and it packs an 8-inch subwoofer. So it's a big improvement over, say, the 2-inch by 4.7-inch drivers, in that soundbar we just mentioned, but it is not going to be the sort of oomph we've expected from speed woofers and, uh, uh, you know, all of the different, you know, we, we, you know, SVS and shoe and, and RSL speed woofer and all the other ones we mentioned. So uh, an upgrade, but not a massive upgrade in terms of low end performance. Be curious to see if anybody gets to measure that subwoofer. I'll be curious too about that soundbar, the S517. Yeah. The one funny thing that jumped out at me was that they list it having dual tweeters that are each a one-inch speaker system, and then a center full-range driver that is also a one-inch speaker. <laughs> I'm like, can you really have a full-range driver that's one-inch? Well, sure. It just it may not play the full range of audio. There it may go. be down negative 30 dB by 40 hertz, but... <laughs> In addition, there are other drivers within that soundbar as well, including a couple of 4.7-inch right. uh, mid-range drivers as well as, I guess, a couple of 2.6-inch for the left-right upfiring full-range driver. Anyway, it looks right. like a solid design at a 449 price point with a wireless sub. I think that would compete really nicely with some of the mid-tier to upper-tier manufacturers out there like your Bose and your Sonos and products like that in terms of just being easy to use, something to set up and just give you pretty decent sound quality right out of the box. Don't forget Vizio. I would love to hear this one in person, though. Yes, yes, do not forget Vizio. 
I'll keep an eye because sometimes they'll show up at Best Buy. It'll be interesting to see whether they have a demo. Yeah. Not that you can tell so much from the, the music that they play through those and the demo stations at the big box store, but it's always good to try. Um, crazy sale running uh, from Kef, the speaker company, through the 4th of April. The Q150 uh, is half off. Q350, uh, I think it's like $250 off. 750 dropped down to 500 The uh, Q950 is... Uh, few hundred dollars off the ls50 wireless 2 which is their powered version of the ls50 meta that's 500 dollars off it's 2300 down from 2800 that's a pretty spectacular pair of speakers sadly no sale on the basic ls50 meta but uh the q1 a lot of people have a lot of good things about uh, to say about the q150 and that is a huge huge drop in price on those um nice if you've been thinking about something from kef so People like those. I do. People like those a lot. I want to take a moment again to thank our patrons, patreon.com slash avxcel. Uh, you are the people that make this podcast possible, and we appreciate you. Keep an eye on patreon.com slash avxcel for some treats for our patrons. And seriously, thank you. Your contributions to the show make it possible for us to do this podcast. And if you'd like to join in, patreon.com slash avxcel is the place to sign up. Speaking of which, uh, Laura posted up on patreon.com slash avxl. You talk a great deal about projectors and speakers, not so much about TVs. I'll be buying an 83 to 85-inch TV in the next month or two. The brands I'm considering are Sony, LG, and Samsung's. Do you have any recommendations, Laura? Uh, Yes, actually. And I wrote down here, sorry for all the projector talk, but it's been a really weird year for TVs and projectors. Um, First of all, we're seeing a flood of projectors, some of which have been delayed for months or I think in at least one case as as long as a year. You know, I'm just going to say COVID, supply chain issues, all that good stuff. Um, But like we've we've seen a flood of projectors in the last three or four months. And second, we usually talk more extensively about the new TVs that are announced at CES, which is to say almost all of the new TVs that are announced in any given year. But that didn't happen this year. Uh, Vendors didn't show up for CES. You know, getting hands-on or eyeball-on time was basically impossible. Uh, On the upside, as you may have picked up uh, earlier in the podcast, 2022 TVs are starting to ship and show up in reviews. And, uh, you know, again, we're going to be real curious to see what those LG TVs price up at. I was kind of blown away because, uh, you know, 75-inch televisions, 70, 75-inch televisions used to be the big televisions, and they yeah. used to cost thousands. And I was, I dug through really quickly on Amazon, uh, and I restricted it to 2021, 2022 TVs. And, you know, if Amazon, Hisense, TCL, Vizio all have 75-inch TVs for as little as $700 to $800. These are not premium viewing experiences at this price point right um but but, value if you but yeah if you want a big screen for as little money as possible and don't want to deal with a projector those are pretty fantastic when you start uh getting into more premium televisions uh lg samsung sony they start maybe around 900 dollars and quickly climb what are your picks? I mean, a 77-inch LG C1 OLED, T, OLED TV, that's like $2,900. The 83-inch uh, LG C1 is $4,800. Yep. Um, an 85-inch Samsung QLED, which is 8K, not 4K, that's like five grand for their best model. What's your favorite picks in this, in this size range, Rob? 
OLED's always going to be nice, especially if you have a room where the light control is somewhat good. So I'm not saying it has to be pitch black, but in general, I find OLEDs look better when you have a little bit of light control to make that right. incredible contrast really pop. Because compared to some of the better LCD screens out there, they don't put out as much light. Now, again, that kind of goes back to what particular model and how much you're willing to spend. Budget-wise, though, yeah, if you're looking for 83-inch OLED today, yeah, about five grand is where the price point is. And for that Samsung, their 8K QLED is going to be significantly brighter for about the same amount of money for an 85-inch screen. Looking around right now, that TCL R745 series from 2021, it's a Roku-powered 85-inch screen with HDR Dolby Vision, your built-in apps, 2500 bucks right now online. <laughs> it has terrific reviews from the folks over at RTINGS. And I would say since that wasn't on your list of favorite products, when if I stick to just Samsung, LG, or Sony, that Sony QN85A is about $2,800. That is a 4K screen. That's, I would say, not as contrasty as the step-up model, the QN90A, but it has better off-axis viewing. Now, in the case of that QN90A, that's about 3300 bucks for the 85-inch screen size. And I have spent some quality time with this particular TV, and it is fantastic viewing, especially for the person sitting in the sweet spot. It has a panel technology that has very good native contrast. And if the budget is there, I think the extra 500 bucks spent on the QN90A versus the 85A is money well worth it. However, if you're looking for something maybe from Sony, they have something called the X91J. That's part of the X90 family. But the 91 specifically is the 85-inch screen. $2,000. And Sony generally is going to have pretty damn good picture quality right out of the box. However, the one thing about this TV which kind of jumped out at me was that it had about the same brightness as an OLED. And it will have a, a much narrower sweet spot comparatively compared to an OLED. But... At two thousand dollars, that's a that that would be my if budget is limited, where I would go for an eighty-five inch screen, and then quickly scale that up to the better Samsung models for peak brightness, superb anti-reflection on their screen surfaces, and then if the room lighting control is good enough, OLED would look fantastic as well, budget permitting. I am likely leaning more towards Samsung on this one, just at eighty-five inches to have something as close to a light cannon as I can have with good color quality. In the case of Samsung, it's their quantum dot technology. Right. And you do have a 4K or an 8K option, but going 8K with Samsung is looks like about another $1,700 just to have the extra resolution, which may or may not be important to you, given the, the dearth of sources in 8K. <laughs> I was going to so. say, is there any point to buying 8K other than, quote, future-proofing, unquote? I personally like it just for the increased okay. pixel density, especially if you tend okay. to sit a little closer, but otherwise, no. Now, at appropriate viewing distances, it it would be more difficult to see the difference, especially if you're looking at maybe 1080p or 4K content. One other thing to keep in mind is that many of the models we've just discussed or some variation of them would be available at your local retailers like your membership stores, like a Sam's Club or a Costco as well. It may have like one letter changed in terms of the exact model number, but you're getting effectively the same technology. Check there, because that may be an easier option for you in terms of price or service. Some people just simply prefer to actually 
get eyeballs on the thing before actually pulling the trigger, so to speak, <laughs> on purchases. And that's one way to do it. It's probably going to be in vivid mode. <laughs> it's probably going to be a little blue, but Storm it will be there sells. in the big long line. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Are you? Do you ever get nervous about buying something as major as this at this time of year when we're in that in-between stage? Because the 2022s aren't all out, and the 2021s in this case are, are kind of hanging in there. I mean, do you get nervous about buying at that point? Or, or I guess I could say there's not going to be anything outside of a potential for a massive LG price increase. It's not like we're seeing any revolutionary technology being rolled out this year. No, incrementally better, but it does seem to get better every year, especially in some of the premium. Like we were talking about some very nice LCDs just now with right. the Samsung model in particular. And even that Sony, it's more about what is your budget because uh, right now is some of the best pricing on the 2021 TVs. If you could wait and the budget is permitting, I'd always rather have a newer model, like a 2022 compared to a 2021 or given any sure. particular set of years. That said, if you have your heart set on a 2022 model, I wouldn't expect the prices to be coming down as quickly. Or it could very right. well end up that all TVs are simply going to cost a bit more this year compared to last year. So getting a similar deal may take just longer. You'll have to wait longer. But if you can, you know, the longer you can wait, you're always going to get a better deal and better technology, so to speak. But if you're buying today, there's a ton of good options. And I wouldn't be so focused on the 2022 versus 2021 unless there's some specific feature you're really looking for. Like maybe that... Right. Maybe that wonderful 65-inch Sony A95K for the uh, Samsung Display Technology QD OLED panel. But anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. Corey emailed ask at avxl.com. He says, I have an 85-inch Sony X95J that I'm passing a 4K signal through my Denon E400 receiver. My question is, does the receiver pass a raw signal through? Will I be able to take advantage of HDR or variable refresh rate signals, or does the AVR strip that out and simply send 4K? Thanks, Corey. Okay, uh, TLDR, short answer, probably not. Your E400 has HDMI 1.4, and, uh, you know, assuming I'm reading the manuals correctly, you need an HDMI 2.0A or B or higher to pass through 4K video with HDR. And, of course, uh, you know, if you want to do 4K 120 or 8K 60 hertz, you need HDMI 2.1. The longer answer is, you know, before this question, I always kind of assumed... And you know what that makes me or you, uh, that passing through meant all the data on the 4K signal would just slide right through your AVR. It seems obvious. Uh, apparently not. Because uh, I was digging around and uh, the information I found for Denon was at support-uk.denon.com. We'll put a link in the show notes, uh, which has a nifty, if slightly dated, HDR format compatibility guide. And it was really simple, right? Uh, all the HDR-capable AVR should support HDR10 pass-through out of the box. Dolby Vision and HLG HDR pass-through was added via a firmware update uh, for a lot of models. Uh, I was also interested to read that one of the notes on that page said, quote, on-screen display overlay is not possible when passing through Dolby Vision signals and may not be possible when passing through HDR10 or HLG signals. Uh, I don't currently have a screen I can use to test that statement. Um, that may be a 4K limitation, too. It's just they can't yeah. do their overlay with the graphics and fancy stuff on top of the video when it's running at well, that resolution. That's why I was curious because the specs on Denon.com 
uh, for or the Denon website, the U.S. Denon website, for example, my 3700H, say that it, it does uh, overlay for 4K and 8K. So at some point, I need to find a, a proper 4K television um, or, you know, putter around with my projector to see if I can get that to work um, or just turn it to 1080p output to see if suddenly there's overlays that I just didn't know existed. <laughs> You wanted to do a follow-up on QLED versus LCD versus OLED versus QD OLED versus mini LED versus micro LED because really it's not confusing no. at all. No, and um, we did our best to confuse you last week on the previous episode <laughs> where we were crossing up terms to the point where I was like, oh, I did it. Oh, wait, Patrick just did it. Sorry. I thought it was time to maybe set the record straight real quick with a nice brief-ish explainer about these technologies and what is the difference. And to really cut it down to the uh, the core of it all is that there are only two types of TVs that we look at today. There are LCD right. panels and there are OLED panels. And LCDs, which everyone should be pretty familiar with, they have a backlight that is made of LED lights. These used to be, a long time ago, fluorescent tubes. Now we've switched over to LEDs. And these LEDs, usually in a you know grid-shaped pattern on the back of the screen, shine the light through the liquid crystal layers and the color filters to produce the pixels we see. Now, the LED backlight on most LCD televisions produces a fixed amount of light. You could say they just say, turn them on and leave them on all the time. And usually have some sort of basic control to make the picture brighter or darker but it doesn't change in terms of the light output from the LEDs as they're shining through those layers. And it's the rest of the TV then that makes things brighter or darker. Hmm. Now, more advanced LCDs have a backlight system that can control the individual LEDs used in that backlight to increase the contrast in terms of how we perceive it. Sometimes this is called full array local dimming. You'll hear a term called mini LED that tells you that this LCD television probably features smaller and more numerous LED lights in its backlighting system. <laughs> the problem with doing LEDs as a backlight is that if you look at their, their spectra of what the light is composed of, you'll find that it's often spiky and not always in the spots we need the spikes to be, which in turn translates into having colors or wavelengths not being as well represented as others would be. A good example of this in past TVs was that LCDs used to have a problem doing really convincing reds or even greens. Uh, they found it tough to do. So those clever engineers have added to the LEDs in these TVs phosphor materials that make deeper, richer reds. Uh, GE is a major player in this game, and I'll be sure to include a link to some of the information they have about these particular phosphor-enhanced LEDs that are now used in LCD TVs as one way to increase the, the color performance of the TV itself. Now, sticking with LCD televisions, QLED, Q-L-E-D, is just a marketing term for a particular type of LCD television that has a quantum dot color enhancement. That means instead of using, say, phosphors, like we were just talking about, how some TV manufacturers are producing a wider color palette, Quantum dot is another way to do that. And quantum dot televisions, generally, the LCD style, will have a filter layer on the screen that converts some of the backlight 
into a very rich white light that is better at actually hitting the saturated color points we really want. Switching over to OLEDs, OLEDs have no backlight, or it's probably more accurate to say that in today's TVs, the OLED itself is a material that is the backlight, and then it is filtered or converted into the primary colors for the subpixels. Now, when we talk about OLED or organic light emitting diodes as a, as a lighting technology, <laughs> when we discuss TVs, there are really two types out there right now, and primarily one, and that's from LG's design that uses a white subpixel in addition to the red, blue, and green subpixels too. Now, this is versus what Samsung has coming up shortly within new PC monitors, a display from Sony, as well as Samsung Electronics' own version of this, but a quantum dot enhanced OLED. Whereas with LG, you could think of them basically using that white OLED material as a backlight system going through a standard color filter to produce the subpixel colors we need versus what Samsung's looking to do with this quantum dot OLED where it is a blue OLED material that glows, covers your blue subpixel in terms of that color, but then it uses the quantum dot materials to convert some of that blue light into the red and the green light that we need for the subpixels. And quantum dot OLED over just the regular color filtered OLED of LGs, it has the potential of delivering not only more saturated, more pure colors, but potentially even better burning characteristics or other characteristics that give it better longevity. The difference really though between what LG does with an OLED panel versus what Samsung's looking to do with this new quantum dot OLED panel is the difference between using a color filter in the case of LG versus using a quantum dot color converter in the case of the Samsung. In the end, is there really something that is a true LED TV. Like a lot of people just like to call all LCDs LEDs. But uh, yes, actually there is. <laughs> if you wanted an, a true LED TV, what that actually is, is something far closer to the billboards you see in many places nowadays right. that use LED signage or outdoor signage that is super bright and super colorful and really grabs the attention there are products like this in the consumer space. Samsung has their the wall product and Sony has their crystal LED product. But I would call these more borderline commercial products, really, considering the price tag, which can easily get up into six figures. The pixel density for these kind of either video walls or in the case of Sony, their crystal LED displays, they're really best for screen sizes over 100 inches in order to have something like a 4K display. I've always been curious to see if anyone actually makes a decent LED module system, like a DIY-friendly version that you could tile together into your own shapes. It, it might not be the highest performance panel compared to something as expensive as a crystal LED from Sony or a wall system from Samsung, but it right. sure would be kind of cool to see uh, what's out there in terms of just those those basically square modules that can then be linked to whatever size display you need. Depends on the resolution. <laughs> Generally speaking, though, we don't deal with an LED TV in most homes. Uh, we do deal, though, with the two main picture types. That is LCD, or liquid crystal display, and OLED, O-L-E-D. And I think I'm going to stop there before I make it any more confusing. Hopefully it's not as confusing, but yeah, there's no, two TV types. you did a pretty good job walking <laughs> through it. Thank you. I, 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 I am humbled. 
It's a bunch of my misuse of various terms. Bunch of terms. <laughs> oh, you and me both. Both of us were referring to the new Samsung display technology using quantum dot color converters uh, in an OLED panel as a QLED, and that is incorrect. QLED is really it is a straight up marketing term that just says, "Hey, we have an LCD panel with LED backlights, and it's using some form of quantum dot color enhancement." Versus, like I mentioned before, with the use of phosphors, some manufacturers for TVs will go with the phosphor technology to get their wide color palette and have that as the checkbox feature. Other manufacturers go with quantum dot materials to generate a a richer light source to begin with that then can be filtered into what we need it to be. OLED's kind of looking to do the same thing. LG's had a great nine-year run now with this current technology where it is literally a whitish colored OLED material being pushed through a pretty standard looking color filter like you would find on right. any LCD television. Whereas what Samsung's doing is going to be more of, you know, let's have a clear window for this beautiful blue OLED material we've created. And then we'll convert that blue light into red and green where needed using quantum dot, which has the potential to be way more efficient in addition to providing even better characteristics in terms of just getting that that color palette as wide as possible to produce an even better picture than we're used to. But we it like can be confusing. Pictures. In the end, yeah, <laughs> for us consumers, it's LCDs and OLEDs, and and you can you can just stop right there. You don't have to go any further than that down the rabbit hole. Just uh, <laughs> keep in mind there isn't there isn't five <laughs> or ten different technologies out there. Everything you see in the store is going to be an LCD or an OLED of one brand or another. There you have it. Oh my goodness. I, uh, I'm kind of excited. The, uh, high point theater, which is kind of the art studio, the art house flick, uh, the art house cinema, uh, down the street from where we live or, you know, about a mile from where we live is actually has, uh, Joe Wright Cyrano playing, which is Peter Dinklage playing uh oh yeah um i really i am torn between desperately wanting to see that and being utterly terrified uh as at cyrano being done as a a musicale (laughs) interesting yeah um so we'll see how that I'll let you know if, if terrible things or wonderful things happen. Uh, do us a favor. Let us know what you're watching or what you're using to show off your home theater or uh, any sources of music or movies that we haven't talked about. We're always kind of curious because there's thousands of you and there's just two of us. And uh, we're always kind of curious what you're seeing. And the best way to do that is to email ask at AVXL or you can tweet at Robert Heron, at Patrick Norton, or at AVXL. And if you want to use a hashtag, hashtag AskAVXL works just fine. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to wrap this one up. I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL. Oh, and I just wanted to mention real quick that I have located my local Dolby Cinema. I have found the schedule for what they're actually playing on it. And I have discovered <laughs> that it is currently The Batman and I am not Ooh. that interested in seeing it, but if I was, I am. Uh, that's the theater to go see. I want to see the inside oh of this Dolby Cinema. I need to get the uh, the floor layout. Can I reserve a seat? Can I uh, can I have one of the reclining seats, please? <laughs> that's currently eighty six percent. The bat the twenty twenty two Batman with Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, eighty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. 
All right. Maybe. I'll put that firmly in the maybe. percent Maybe 10,000 plus verified ratings. Okay. Tomatoes. Not terrible. Critics' consensus, a grim, gritty, and ripping super noir, the Batman ranks amongst the Dark Knight's bleakest and most thrillingly ambitious live-action outings. <laughs> I'd like to see the Seven Samurai in Dolby Cinema. That's what I would like to see. Dude, they, uh, did they just release the 4K version of the Seven, Seven Samurai? Um, the, I will say the, the, the streaming version on uh, the Criterion channel looks really good. I was just impressed you made that one of the first quote-unquote adultish movies to show your growing family. I don't know. If the youngins, the I should say. Burst of Well, the, the youngest hasn't seen it yet because you just... Oh, okay. I don't need him bursting into tears um, ah, in the point. battle scene at the end. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> yes. But Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is coming out on the 4K version of... Uh, Criterion Collection, and you know, if you if uh, you were on Twitter, you, you probably caught me posting that the Criterion Channel had, a, or the Criterion Collection had a flash sale, um, a pretty hefty sale, and everything they had in stock. They do that once in a while. Um, I was kind of delighted, uh, and unfortunately, uh, fell asleep before I purchased the stuff that was in my inbox. <laughs> it's like, oops, it'll live forever on the Twitter. You know, well, yeah, I, I, it's probably also really good for me to not uh, purchase everything I want, uh, especially on Blu-ray or 4K Ultra HD. Uh, yeah, no, it looks like they have a 4K. No, that can't be right. Is it? I'm sitting here. Yeah. That? No. Yeah, they were sorry. You have to apply the filters uh, <laughs> to get the results you want. And uh, there is not currently a uh, 4K version of The Seven Samurai, at least not from the Criterion Collection. But I, I will say the 1080p version of it looks gorgeous. Um, nice. You know, and, you know, it's it's. I don't think it's flawless because I don't think they have the source material to make a flawless version. But rumor has it there was an 8K, excuse me, a, a, a high-end 4K uh, you know, I'll stop because then I'll start talking about telecine and transfers and put everybody to sleep. It's a it's a cool movie. I'm actually really curious to see the 4K version of For All Mankind, which is a, a uh, Al Reinert did a documentary about all of the Apollo astronauts. Um, well, there you yeah, go. Menace to Society, Cinnamon, Kane, Uncut Gems, Mulholland Drive, A Hard Day's Night, The Piano, The Last Waltz, Dublin Indemnity, and uh, I think The Red Shoes or the first 4K UHD titles from the Criterion Collection, who pay us no money and give us no free CDs or DVDs or Blu-rays or 4K UHD Blu-rays, but, you know, we love their work. They do good stuff. Um, I'll stop blathering on about the ancient cinema. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> At this point. Perfect. But, uh, yeah, the Batman is getting fantastic ratings. Just... Uh, don't drink a lot before you go in that. It's a two-hour and 56-minute movie. Oh, great. Great. Hey, hey, man. It's not as long as Dune. <laughs> Give me an intermission so I can restock. Resupply. How long was Justice League, the, the director's cut? Like four or five days? Again, uh, I love really home theater. Really spectacular. I enjoyed that way, way better than I expected to. All right. 
this time, we're really going to wrap this up. I'm Patrick Norton. <laughs> I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL.